and welcome to Unmanageable, news from the unruly people and places of Mendocino County, California. I'm your host, Alicia Bales. This episode is a rebroadcast of a program I produced for KMUD, Redwood Community Radio, in Garberville, California on October 31st. It features voices from the first Wailaki cultural burn in Southern Humboldt in 150 years, which happened at the Southern Humboldt Community Park on Thursday, October 19th. I was honored to be on site with the cultural burn crew and my tape recorder, and I'm pleased to share with you the incredible day that Indigenous Fire returned to Southern Humboldt. The Trees Foundation was the host for this edition of the Environment Show on KMUD. Trees Foundation is a nonprofit based in Garberville, California, that serves a network of over 40 grassroots environmental organizations, all working toward healthy land stewardship of the Redwood region. To learn more about the Trees Foundation or to subscribe to their flagship publication, Forest and River News, visit treesfoundation.org. This is The Environment Show on KMUD. I'm your guest host tonight, Alicia Littletree. If you were in or around Garberville about a week and a half ago, you may have noticed some wisps of smoke coming from the Southern Humboldt Community Park and floating south toward Benbow. The community park, like most of Southern Humboldt, is part of the ancient homeland of the Wailaki people. On Thursday, October 19th, Wailakis, or Kiniste as they call themselves, brought the first cultural fire to Southern Humboldt in 150 years. Working with Garberville and Bryceland Fire Departments and burn boss Diana Totten, who is herself indigenous of Wintu descent, the Wailaki Cultural Burn Crew, led by Natasha Carrico, burned in three acres of the park to cultivate a hazel grove. Hazel is an important cultural plant for the Wailaki, both for use as a basket material and for its value as a food source for wildlife. The burn began with a beautiful opening circle where the crew of native and non-native fire tenders offered prayers, songs, and intentions for the day. I was asked to document the day's events and to share it with you tonight. And all of the recordings you will hear were recorded and will be aired with permission. The first voices you will hear are Perry Lincoln, the Executive Director of Native Health and Native Hands, a Wailaki Cultural Revitalization Group, and Diana Totten of Bryceland Fire and the burn boss for the day. In this first recording, you can also hear the voice of the fire itself crackling and popping at the center of the circle. Our ancestors are helping us, and our ancestors may have heard her say that. And, you know, they'll be here with us today. We'll have confidence in each other, and we'll help each other. And, you know, for me, it's a blessing to have being able to work with uh, people here in Southern Humboldt and, and being able to see like you guys got your PPEs all ready to go and people are devoted to the cause, not just my cause or native cause, but the cause because this is our home, our home, all of us. And, and for us to understand what we can do to make it a better forest and a healthier forest and a more productive forest and a nurturing forest is, is the goals that we're after. That's what uh, um, cultural burning is. Cultural burning is only one part of um, intuitive awareness, basically, right? So this is only a part of it. The rest of it, you know, is, is all the other components that we bring to it. We as a people bring these components to what we do in our lives, what we do in our world, part of the world, right? can't do much for New York or wherever, but we can do stuff for here and hopefully that ripples out to, to other people and what other people are doing ripples out to us and we learn from each other and we help each other. All the people taking it upon themselves to come out here and do this, you know, so many years ago we couldn't do anything out on the land and, you know, now is now and so here we are and that 
part of us that the heart of uh, intuitive awareness is that's what it is. The magic of it or the meaning of it is here. We got generations of people, you know, here. We got elders. I won't mention no names or anything, but um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, so that's my little talk about it. You know, there's there's a lot more to talk about, and um, this is this is to me what prayer is is for people to stand together in a circle like this and and be a part of something that we know is going to help us and we know that um, you know we're putting our heart into it. Our ancestors used to celebrate a lot of things. They celebrated the first fish that come up the river. They celebrated the first deer they killed. They celebrated the girls when they first had their first period. They celebrated everything they could find that was that was part of the world we live with. They had a celebration. So today, we're, this is a celebration for us. Is that our ancestors are dancing with us here today because we're bringing this thing back that we call culture, but it's more than that. It's that spiritual um, thing Perry was talking about. Is not only is this creating them, um, and our hope is to look up here in 20 years and see the most beautiful managed forest that you could ever imagine that looked like this for thousands of years. You know, and it's really hard sometimes when you're learning your language, the sounds of how they're, the words are said, you know. And um, I was wanting to put together a word in, uh, a song in Wailaki. And to do that, it's really hard to integrate and the sounds of how our words were actually spoken into song. I always say I'm to honor only one is to dishonor the other. For here I stand, a white woman and a native mother. So there's a lot of the white woman in this song, but they are Wailaki words. So um, the song basically says, my heart is glad you're here, my brothers and sisters. Don't give up, my people, for we will see you later. This is awesome. This is truly basically the first full cultural burn in Southern Humboldt for 150 years. And so this is a celebration. So all of you here are part of that celebration with us. And, um, and these songs are perfectly fitting for what we're doing. And 
this is just the beginning of bringing this back. And again, it's a great honor to have you guys with us, you know. Um, hopefully you could feel the things that we feel as the songs are being sung. And I know everybody just looks at the fire and all of a sudden there's some calmness or some kind of connectedness that comes to it, you know. So as we go throughout the day, I want you to kind of keep that connectedness with you, not just as we leave our little sacred fire, but as we go out and along the hillside and do our, our pile burning, we want to keep this same feeling that we got, that connectedness. And, and, um, and that'll set the pace for where we go with our culture fires here in Southern Humboldt. And um, again, it's just such an honor and such a, um, a humbling experience to be part of, you know. And I think about my grandmother and, and her mother and the lives they lived that were pretty rough. And um, they're smiling today. And, uh, and so we'll keep that going. And again, you know, it's just an absolute perfect celebration day. And um, one of many to come. So as we start to go into this world, um, I'll be your burn boss today. And I actually have a little certificate in my briefcase that says that the state is covering our liability insurance as me a cultural fire practitioner today. And we have $2 million in liability coverage. I would just assume we don't use that okay? <laughs> as, as we get started. And so um, that's another big thing. So um, it's, there's some new ground being broken. And again, this comes from the lack of cultural fire and now the recognition that this is a big part of what needs to be brought back into our, our world. And so we should see more of it. But one of the handicaps was that it's really hard to meet all the standards, all the, all the rules. And one of them was the liability insurance. So this is a new bill that was, was it last year they passed it? And so um, we're exercising that today. And again, that's a big, a big milestone. Our goals today are to try to revive the hazel grove that we have all along this this lower end of the the unit there's about three or four acres and we have a line around most of it um, and so with the rain we've had which we're really happy to have had early rains in the fall and and um, it kind of made it a little too wet to just put a drip torch to it and let it burn so today we're going to do pile burning and so we're going to work in a couple different areas and I'd like to get about 10 piles going or whatever we break into in little in little squads and so our goals are to try to reduce the amount of fuel around the outside perimeter of our line um, by burning it in piles now so next year or whenever we get a chance to do a broadcast burn we'll have very secure lines around our fire and um, a couple of things I've learned over the last year is just that um, a lot of the plants are fire adaptive, meaning that they're used to having fire on them. And, and so, and Brian maybe knows these things, is that the fire adapted things are, are native to our area and some of the non-native species can't survive multiple fires. They start to fade out and the native species are able to get more of a a run at it so we don't have to go replant everything. Is that kind of the angle what I'm trying to say? Yeah. In, uh, There's a in, lot of stuff in that English. Will, <laughs> the seeds yeah. enjoy the heat or they enjoy the chemicals if you want to break it down like that. Right. The burning of the plant materials supports the seeds sprouting or the roots connecting with mushrooms. And so a lot of invasive plants maybe don't require mushroom connections underground start this so they don't need to land where there's like a nice mycelium network underneath so actually fires support just you know a gentle fire so yeah. we'll support that native seeds sprouting and connecting with the mushrooms underneath so that's when we invasives are kind of moved out by fire right. it, you know if there's that seed bank of natives 
So yeah. we need your expertise, and this is where our cultures are blending really, really well, is, is you see something we're burning too hot, say, oh, this one only wants a cooled fire or a cooler fire. Um, these species don't like as much fire, or this one makes ashes out of it, and the ashes will go into the ground. Brian gave a talk at the Mateo last year that, um, well, my, my whole thing just, I, I couldn't grasp all of it, but I understood the concept is that everything's connected, and, uh, <laughs> and that's our culture, is everything's connected. And you had a way of saying it in a scientific way, um, that we feel spiritually, and now we're going to try to bring all that together today in, in what we're going to try to do. Spend the day with a celebration of cultural fire in Southern Humboldt, and, um, and we'll try to accomplish a lot of, of burn piles, okay? Another big thing is this, the Wailaki fire crew and fuels crew. This is like the maiden voyage. I mean, this is it. This is where, this is where it's going to go. And, um, and so that's a big thing. That's huge. That is really huge. And so um, we'll be helping Natasha get off the ground. And this is a start right here. That was cultural fire practitioner Diana Totten, Brian Dykstra with Native Health and Native Hands, and Natasha Carrico speaking during an opening fire ceremony at the Southern Humboldt Community Park on Thursday, October 19th the day that Wailaki Cultural Burning returned to Southern Humboldt. You're listening to The Environment Show on KMUD. I'm your guest host, Alicia Little-Tree-Bales. After the prayer circle, the Wailaki Cultural Burn crew split up to get the hazel grove ready for pile burning. I followed a group up the hill. They were going to clear the fire break around the burn zone. Kai Ostro of Bryceland Fire explained how the Wailaki burn at the community park fits into the larger community fire planning throughout Southern Humboldt. After that, Brian Dykstra and Natasha Carrico talked with me about the long-term benefits of fire on the landscape. So the solid red, that's the Wailaki Hazel project. That's what we're working on today. But if you back out, you can see this is within this bigger unit here. So everything over here, oh. they're going to help them design a horse trail over there, which will, you know, stack functions with it being a fire line. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's another unit to burn between here and the meadow as okay. well. Okay, so this is a multi-year project. Yeah, yeah. And then if you zoom out a little farther, uh, we've got bigger plans to work with the neighbors, get a, a line down in there and actually mm -hmm. burn from the top of the ridge down. And then on this side, it actually crosses the freeway, wow. working our way through there, and it ties into the burn that we did last weekend up on uh, Greg Swaffer's. And that ties into the Garberville fuel break, which is crossing over and eventually ties it into um, Alder Point Road. Wow. And then goes up Alder Point Road eventually and ties into Mail Ridge, where okay. that big project is okay. coming together. So, so the planning you... is far outstripped, you know, where we're at now, but it's it's working towards something right. comprehensive. So, and when did the planning on this sort of massive fire break project begin? Um, I mean, it's come together as landowners have wanted to become involved. And each time somebody comes forward, we look at it and go, well, how can we work together mm -hmm. within that community? Mm -hmm. So fairly organically, except for the overarching picture, which came from the Southern Humboldt Fire Safe Council uh, a few years ago, okay. kind of starting to set priorities. Like as a part community of the, fire project. Right, as the part of the CWPP. Okay. Um, community Wildfire Protection Plan. Uh, they were setting priorities for Southern Humboldt and identified, you know, a few of the ridge lines and how we'd like to tie them mm -hmm. together. And then landowners have just been coming forward, sort of saying, yes, I would like to participate. Exactly. Wow. Okay. And, you know, that's the, the PBA, um, you know, the whole principle is just empowering landowners and helping them achieve their goals. That's really cool. Depending on what is burning, you know, you're going to get a lot of smoke or just a little smoke. Sometimes some of these, you know, the more pitchier woods are going to put off a black smoke. And that's triggering. And if, you know, they could come and be more a part of stuff like this and see what's really going on on the ground, I don't think there would be such a fear anymore. Especially in controlled situations. 
getting out ahead of time too, so people are aware of what the forest looks like, so they can imagine what that, that's burning. And I, I, I was lucky enough that where I was renting and farming in Willow Creek, uh, you know, I had we had fires, you know, multiple years in a row, and multiple years in a row came within a, a few miles of the farm, um, the food farm. And well, the two years ago, not this summer, but last 2022, you know, I could be, you know picking squash and, and vegetables and everything and wow. looking at the flames you know what I mean like literally throw a rock now you know and it was a very good well behaved like fire in other, in other words it was like an understory a couple of trees got up to the top but mostly the whole hillside was like real low you know very orange at night right but yeah but you know at the same time it was clearing off a lot of underbreath that hadn't been burned in a long time and even the the area I was farming that in all likelihood all likelihood was managed with fire at one point and people I spoke with the oldest people I could talk to like oh what did it look like when you know it was um, before it was a little suburbia where I could patchwork together some lands and, and grow some egg it was you know uh, a hay field you know, uh, and, and horses, and then it was, before that was a hay field, and before that, you know, it was, you know, um, where they were bringing cattle out of the Trinity Alps. And before that, and the, some of the trees that are still there, it was an open meadow. And so some of that remnants were still there, you know, that people can remember as kids, say, oh, it's full of wildflowers. Now there's just, it, just not, right? It's not, yeah. no wildflowers, no bulbs, no, yeah. but people remember that little patch still was, before it was a house, that little patch was, and that was managed with fire. You see very big trees, white oak, black oak, madrone, spaced out by, you know, 100 feet, and, and the trees are multiple hundreds of years old, and so I'm suggesting, you know, I'm not the only one who would suggest that that was managed with fire for those seed plants, for those bulb plants, for those acorn producing plants, and it was probably vastly more productive in terms of protein, in terms of nutrition, than what I can do there with non-native plants and going like oh I'll, I'll use some water you know what I mean from from Willow Creek Water Services District you know so and the same thing goes I mean I'll just go on and on but like you look at like oaks more productive you know uh, in an acre when you calculate water than almonds you know in terms of yeah so 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 we're, so we're saying well let's have almonds that produce a little less than what a diverse ecosystem that is primarily oak woodland it tastes fairly the same and 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 are not sustainable when you want to also have fish on your plate. So it's like, you know, there's mm -hmm. fire is all part of that, that oak within and being yeah. open and space for the bulbs and seeds and productive for the acorns. And yeah, so this is like part of that. Everything, everything works in a circle and without, you take one element out and you break your circle. And fire is just a part of that circle to complete it and you know shoot we got beavers coming back now in this area we have elk in areas that have never been elk before and a lot of it is to, you know just the fires that we're having prescribed and you know unprescribed the wildland fires and it's it's opening it up and bringing their food sources back that they haven't had in that area so it's it's amazing. I've been out uh, in the Kenton Palm area where the August complex was, and the amount of resources that have came back is just staggering. I mean, acres of rose hips and elderberry, and there's dogwood and you know lettuce. It was just amazing. I was just like, man, I can come out here and just feast. <laughs> Before it wasn't. I mean, it was just yeah. thick brush. Just there was nothing. There was nothing there besides a lot of fur and some madrone. Those firs too, and some of the areas I surveyed uh, in the um, August Fire Complex. You know, the fir is dead, and it's you know like it's a huge tall tree. Some of the older ones, mm -hmm. right? And it completely burned up. You know, the roots, you know, burned down six feet, right? Right? Yes. And then same spot. Two inches down is a little bulb that's resprouting and flowering, and that's like a little calicordis, hairy cat's ear, you know, mariposa lily, 
Yeah. Oh, you got a six foot girth? Well, I got a one inch girth. Right. And I can survive that fire. Wow. What okay. Natasha was saying about uh, all the different plants popping up, all those berries she's talking about, and then we can also see, you know, like mushrooms and the nut production goes up. Well, when I go in forests that haven't had the fire, right, and that are more or less like kind of plantation like forests for firs, you know, or pines, you know, the bears there suffer. They, they, they take on like a different kind of foraging strategy. Since there's mm -hmm. not as many mushrooms, there's not, there's a lot of shade. What they're doing is they're going around for like the oldest logs they can find and finding like beetle grubs and turning them over, turning over rocks, which is something they do naturally, but like that's what they're limited to for, for hundreds and hundreds, thousands of acres. Whereas if you have a more diverse mosaic where you have some of it's bouncing back with the acorns and, and other nuts and berries, those bears have a more diverse diet and so they that's like food for wildlife people to benefit right yeah. so it's like a harder for them to find those things they have to go so far yeah and that's why they end up in our backyards and our garbage cans yeah. Yeah. yeah all right what are you gonna do with that propane tank we are gonna go over here and start another fire <laughs> That was Natasha Carrico of the Wailaki Cultural Burn Crew and Brian Dykstra, botanist with Native Health in Native Hands. And this is the Environment Show on KMUD. I'm your host, Alicia Littletree. Tonight's program features the voices of the crew who brought Wailaki Cultural Fire to the Southern Humboldt Community Park on Thursday, October 19th. After the fire line was cleared and the underbrush was piled up in the hazel grove, it was time to burn. I walked back up to the top of the unit where there were four or five piles burning, and I talked to one of the fire tenders there. A big surprise from the day was actually how difficult it was to get the vegetation to burn. There have been a few light rains this season, and that was enough to get the downwood quite wet. While we often think of forest fire as a dangerous force that burns everything in its path, the truth was that it took a lot of work to get things to light. Once it was going, the fire was very polite and stayed contained to the burn piles. I ran into Kayastro on my way up the hill, and he gave me his take on the day's progress so far. Any updates for Wailaki FM? <laughs> um, no, we're looking good. I think uh, getting some good work done, the work that they're doing along the top is really going to help us keep it contained. They're getting a lot of the hazel prep, so it's going to be able to actually provide the heat that it needs to, you know, accomplish their, mm -hmm. accomplish their goals. I'm going to go up to where that looks like there's flames. Mm -hmm. So what's going, what have you guys been doing up here? Um, so there was just a lot of uh, consolidated fuel heavies um, close to this line here. And so for us, our objective was just to kind of um, break that up, cut it up into smaller pieces, and try to get that stuff to burn. And so there was quite a bit of fuel that we had to work with, so that's why we have so many piles. And then, obviously, because it's such large fuel, it takes a really long time for it to burn down. And so, yeah, basically right now, at this point, we're, we're kind of at the point where we just kind of have to wait until things um, cool down a little bit before we can really get in there and start like consolidating the piles more and making sure anything that's not burning on the edges um, gets consumed so there's not you know leftover um, fuel that kind of defeats the purpose for when they come in here and do an understory burn just adds to the to the problem right here along this this holding feature so but yeah going pretty well I think so far I'm surprised with um, the way it was this morning and everything was super wet I'm kind of surprised actually how well everything's burning which is great well I'm surprised because we were down at that other site with the torch and we couldn't get it to go I'm I gonna know, head down yeah. there and see if it's burning now but yeah it was like 10 minutes with the I know torch. and that's what I was just telling telling um, Gage was it's funny, you know, when you start to burn piles, like realizing how hard it is to get things to light sometimes, like it really teaches you a lot um, about how fire works. See, you know, getting getting in there and seeing, seeing it for yourself. And then of course, like 
all of these piles are staying like right where they are. They're only the heat right in the middle is the only thing that's that's being consumed and it's not getting anywhere outside of that. Just with that little bit of moisture that we have on the ground. Really contained. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's cool. Yeah. And then Henry's over there cutting down fir trees. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like eventually they they kind of want to get rid of the majority of the dug firs in this in this area it doesn't really do them any good for you know cultural resource um for collecting and gathering so and a lot of that stuff's probably going to end up just encroaching on everything anyway in the long term so um yeah they figured might as well get rid of some of the some of the firs in that area over there and they're close to the line too. So, At another burn pile, I talked with Diana Totten again, who was there with Henry Holbrook of the Humboldt County Prescribed Burn Association. Diana explained that the work on the cultural burn would not be finished that day. You're going to so, come back? and Oh, I'll come back for three days, yeah. And uh, just hike around, maybe a couple people come with me or something, but it won't be that we worry about the fire getting away, but we want to really make sure that it's done in a way that is going to be cultural. And that's a real indicator of it. So, um, yeah, the heat from that is pretty intense, and so it would make like a little bare spot. And the first thing that would want to come up is thistles or something we don't like because they enjoy places like this. Mm -hmm. So what we'll do is try to really... Um, Get it all burnt down, like I say, burning all the bones is what this is. It just um, making it just ash, and then we'll, when it's cold, we'll mix it all with the surrounding soil. Cool. And that's called fertilizer. Yeah. Or yeah. what do they call it in the big world? It's some kind of carbon biochar. Biochar. Oh, bio yeah. Yeah, wow. which is a big, big thing. Yeah. So you'll like kind of rake it out mm -hmm, and mix mm -hmm. it with the surrounding yeah. soil. Yeah. And. One of the things Brian talked about at his talk at the material was the fact that even the smoke yes. has particles in it. Incredible. That when they come, that changes a little something microorganism-wise. Mm -hmm. And the things we can't see, and those are the things our ancestors had a connection with, is the things that you can't see. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of our cultural experience, is, is recognizing that we're changing more than what we see. We're changing the mm. stuff we can't see for the better. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that makes us all happy. I love that about fire too, is you, you put it on the ground and then for years afterwards, you're seeing all these unintended consequences that yeah. you had no clue yeah. that you were setting into motion exactly. with the good fire. Yeah. yeah, unintended benefits is the best way to yeah, put and it. And so one of the things too, is <clears throat> today we were able to use different tools and so we're able to use today's technology, today's tools, today's science, mixed with our ancestors' understanding and the, the things we have inside of us to accomplish perfect, mm -hmm. a perfect day. And so when we do get to do a broadcast burn, this is going to be a really mellow one, you mm -hmm. know, very controllable. And as we create more places like this, it begins to create that patchwork that is the ambition of prescribed mm -hmm. fire. And um, and so knowing that we're manipulating not only the landscape for ourselves, but all the little creatures that live out here. <laughs> and so tomorrow when I come in, probably I'm gonna be able to take pictures of deer or different people that are coming during the night to see what we're up to. It was funny when you asked, had asked me to move my truck in the morning. Uh, as soon as I go to get in the car, I notice a frog hop underneath my tire. <laughs> Dang it. I'm crawling under the thing. It's hopping to one side. It's hopping to the other. It's hopping to one side. It's hopping to the other. Finally, we got it to stay in the middle, and I tried to get over it. With, he was fine. And, and then during the, during the briefing, and even now, I've been noticing all day this chorus of frogs yeah. oh, in the yeah. background just okay. kind of encouraging us. I don't know. I thought it was that a little... huge. There's yeah. a froggy kind of vibe and, today. And so that's the cool thing about it is... Um, and so there again, had you not been in tune, you would have run over the little frog. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? But you were, you were a little bit more aware. And that's really, really nice. And um, I think the f neatest thing about it is like this morning and I said, have fun. And I think that's been oh, yeah. kind of a, 
a theme for today is people had fun mm -hmm. and and we're still having fun i mean i look at this and just whole lot of so laughs impressed. and smiles today for mm -hmm. sure well there was a lot of yeses today like That's you the were talking thing. about all the no's but yes. today was all about like yes yeah. yes every time uh -huh. i asked can we do this can we do that yeah the answer was yes yeah and um i do worry about the smoke a little bit which is on my my mind a lot but um we're winding down now so hopefully we can uh, get things done in the next hour and put everything to bed sounds good and then we'll have a little debrief down at the bottom cool in about 45 minutes Perfect. okay this is the environment show on kmud i'm your host alicia littletree bales Tonight's show features the voices of the cultural burn crew who brought Wailaki cultural fire to a hazel grove at the Southern Humboldt Community Park on Thursday, October 19th, the first cultural fire in the area for 150 years. At the end of the burn day, the fire crew sat down for an after-action review to reflect on how things went. At the same time that the cultural fire crew was burning in the hazel grove, another group of Wailakis, was transporting sections of an old-growth redwood log from Humboldt Redwood State Park to Round Valley to be carved into a traditional redwood canoe. As the log passed by Garberville, the crew saw the smoke from the cultural burn and stopped on the highway above to get a better look. What did you call it, ADNR? After Action Review. After Action Review. Okay. What went right, what went wrong, what we could do better next time. What do you think for today? Oh, it was awesome. Um, we, we set out this morning with a set of goals to accomplish, and we pretty much have done that. And so that means it's a good day. And then um, those goals have had to change a little bit through this fall because the weather, and luckily we had some rain. So instead of doing three or four acres, we did the burn piles to manage our hazel a lot better as well as the fuel reduction on the mountainside uh, for when we do a broadcast burn so um, it's been an awesome day everybody um, did a great job but I think the neatest thing about it is we kind of set a tone this morning to where people worked happily and that's a big part of Thank what you. we want to do that was very and uh, <laughs> you want to work happily and so um when i looked around and i see everybody smiling and everybody worked really hard it isn't an easy thing and so that was a huge part on my end is to try to make sure people had fun with what we were doing and um and that we were safe and that we accomplished our goals which is um managing the hazel grove the way our ancestors would have and using fire as a tool, the way our ancestors would have. And, um, and so far that's worked really, really well. One thing I'm really noticing is that all the places where we hung out for the day and burned feel like home places now. You know that feeling I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, it's similar for um, people that have homesteads. And a lot of our community have homesteads that might be listening. And... Um, and you plant fruit trees and you plant rose bushes and you have your garden areas and and the more years you're on your homestead that connection to that place becomes a spiritual connection and so that's way how we feel with our ancestry being somewhat minor trinity county but somewhat local is that we're connected to a place and so with the wailakis to be connected for thousands of years instead of just a generation or two is a very strong connection and it goes way deep inside of us so in a few hours you had that feeling and we all do and imagine the thousands of years of that inside of our dna or or inside of our cellular structure that's that's a great feeling and um we had a really nice ceremony this morning before we got started and that's another thing that we took with us through the day to where we weren't just tunnel vision on what we were trying to do. Um, we're putting our hearts and our soul into it or our spirit. And so I think that's a big part of what we accomplished is um, 
connecting spirit back to the land. And, um, and not only the land, but there's little animals and little tiny microscopic things that are out here today that are rejoicing in our work today. Uh, there's some beetles and some flies that <laughs> yes. are particular to smoke, I just learned. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> and they, um, for some reason, they, 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 those little beetles, they just love it. And after a fire, sometimes we get really attacked by, you know, smoke beetles, we called them, I, I don't know. And, um, and so there's, there's a whole chain of events that happen with fire. And then again, like today, we didn't just use fire. We used hand tools. We used other things to accomplish the goals. Um, like I said at our little ceremony this morning is that we're, we can't take back 150 years of not um, managing the land. We have to manage it with the tools we have and take advantage of that. So. Yeah, we're blending all yeah. of our cultures together and just having a great time doing it. Spirit and power tools. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go see what Natasha has to say. Mm -hmm. okay. How would you think of the day? I think it was very productive and um, went better than we even hoped for with what we were able to do with uh, the weather and the crew that we had. And um, it's your first cultural burn with your cultural burn crew? Yes, our first one. And also just just the fact, I think the, um, I think the bigger thing, just more than it was the first one with our cultural burn crew, the, the fact for us wild lackeys to kind of set people to be able to put fire back in just our homeland and you know, first in time in like 150 years is outweighs even you know our first burn as a crew. So it was a really big day for our people, and we're just humbled and excited, and can't wait for more and for you know, seeing just seeing the community's um, support even in um, us doing this is is just really cool because when I was even younger you know doing anything native wasn't cool or you know totally acceptable and so to know you know now my my youngest kid being 19 you know she's gonna be able to live through more of this than I will and her kids will never know maybe that world so it, there's hope and excitement behind it all. I love that we're sitting here with all of these smoking piles. That's <laughs> great. I can't wait for day. us to be able to do the whole unit and then, you know, for in the future, just even in the spring, you know, for people to be able to come and see what it looks like, you know, when it's being managed. And then, you know, a year, two years from now and three years from now, for people to come through and see, you know, what it looks like when it's being managed. What it feels like. Yeah. Terry, do you want to do an after-action review? Oh, sure, I guess. Um, slot din konk. Slot din konk is uh, the first fire. Slot din konk. Um, anyway, I thought it was great. You know, like for me, like I said earlier today, it's a dream come true because today also the canoes that are going to Round Valley stopped right up here above us and the canoe got to smell the smoke, I guess, you know, if I want to put it that way, um, you know, so and then they sat up there for a few minutes up, up on top of the, you know, the flat there. So, so it's like blending together, coming together. Um, um, I mean, there's no words really for that. To me, there's no words for it. It's just like we have our people together, and it's a good feeling. And my grandchildren sitting around, and they're, you know, liking what they're doing, and under they're gonna like. Um, Natasha said, you know, her daughter's gonna be experiencing all of this more, and so my grandchildren will be experiencing more. It's just like a foundation that we're building for them you know and they can keep building 
more you know of the structure of our world build our world back up and we can do it that's the thing is we can do it and it's happening right now i mean just even that little area that the one guy cleaned up by himself was like <laughs> look at that <laughs> and so the whole day tending that that spot you said you heard on kmud several times but there was never a time mentioned and yeah well he heard it last night on the radio and so that no time was ever mentioned so he's all just get up early and be there yeah. so i missed the ceremony you know the opening part of it he's like but i'm here to help and he did an amazing job all day mm -hmm. and his hardly ever made smoke broke everything way down everything's i mean mm -hmm. it's perfectly cleaned up yeah there was so much brush there and now it's gone I know, I know. I was trying to walk around the ceremony fire this morning and I was like getting snagged on things. Yeah, I mean, what a great little spot he's made now. Right? That's what I was saying. And now it feels, all these spots feel so familiar and so comfortable to us. Mm -hmm. Wow, so the the log folks the, the, stopped at the, uh, up on the highway and yeah, smelled or could see the smoke from mm -hmm, this? Mm -hmm. I mean, how much more can you ask for, right? That was like, my cup's just... Um, you know, we're creating with, a new world. We're, we're all creating a new world. Yeah, you can't really there's, there's, sum that up in a couple minutes. You could talk about it forever. And our children, grandchildren will talk about it forever, hopefully. The time when the canoes rode by the first cultural burn, Slot didn't count. First cultural burn, or first fire, I guess. Your guys' kids will never even know of a world that where fire was suppressed. Yeah. You know, hopefully we can get this undone. And going in the right way, where they'll never, never know. They'll just know stories instead of seeing, seeing it. Yeah, for for us, fire was dangerous, was bad, was stay away from, unless you are going to extinguish it. You know, in a way, like I remember, like yeah, arriving here and and and, and see like how almost traumatizing the fire and and I start being so afraid of fire and then going to the prescribed burns and you know I start seeing fire most, more uh, as a tool uh, and definitely that restored my relationship with fire it was not so much like being afraid of fire more like respecting fire you know and yeah, the kids of the new generation are going to start seeing fire as a, you know, they will know fires as a tool, like like mm -hmm. the the legend of the coyote mm -hmm. that uh, went and uh, and Diana learned that from Diana the coyote went and brought the fire. I stole the the fire from the three. There were like three ladies that had the fire and were like, it's a white lucky or it's from here the legend. You I think so. Better, but yeah, like bring the fire to the people. Yeah. You know, so this is like, I feel like it's amazing for me to be part of these times, <laughs> this change. I'm honored to be part of, of these uh, mm -hmm. times. Our hope is this is a multicultural thing, not limited to just First Nation or local natives, however you want to perceive us. <laughs> so everybody has a different word for us, but Kenneth, that, you know, it's not just for us, it's for the community, it's for anybody that's like-minded, and they can definitely get involved in doing that with the Wallachie Cultural Crew or with what Perry's doing as well. Joke it, hold on a bit. The medicine is in our hands. Joke it, hold on a bit um, to heal ourselves. You know, and that's what we're doing. We're taking it upon ourselves to 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 choose what, how do we want to heal ourselves through through our culture, right, and through. 
involving people and you know in in the past when people came here if they would have asked us we probably would have told them the same thing we'll share what we have with you and let's just do it together I'll teach you yeah. and and nobody asked that question but now we're still those same people and we're still doing that same thing we just now we we're like getting off on our knee and getting back up and making it happen again so it's still everything's still there the thought and the feeling of it and the, everything You've been listening to the Trees Foundation edition of The Environment Show on KMUD. I'm your guest host, Alicia Littletree Bales. I am deeply honored to have shared with you voices from the first Wailaki cultural burn in Southern Humboldt in 150 years, which happened in the Hazel Grove at the Garberville Community Park on Thursday, October 19th. Thank you especially to Perry Lincoln of Native Health and Native Hands, Diana Totten of the Bryceland Volunteer Fire Department, and Natasha Carrico of the Wailaki Cultural Burn Crew. It was a privilege to be included in the day. If you'd like to find out more about cultural fire, please visit nativehealthandnativehands.org and find the Wailaki Cultural Burn Crew on Facebook. There you can learn about upcoming events and find out how you can get involved in future cultural fire efforts. Thank you for listening. I'm Alicia Bales, and I'll be back soon with another episode of Unmanageable, news from the unruly people and places of Mendocino County, California. If you'd like to be in touch with questions, comments, or story ideas, send me an email at unmanageablemendocino at gmail.com. You can make a financial contribution to keep this podcast going by following the PayPal link in the episode summary. Thank you for listening. Thank you.